from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm going to be honest, y'all. I don't even know what I'm watching right now. The Masters Par 3 is on ESPN+. Plus. Apparently, uh, occasionally they let other people take a swing. I, I don't know what's happening. I just know somebody that's in like a, a, a I don't know, zip-up sort of like work work suit. A onesie. A onesie just hit the ball right into the water with the swing that was not exactly the elegance I'm used to from the Masters. Oh, that's, that's oh, a nice now, swing. But now we're getting, yeah, like... Uh, Evan, you're the golf expert. Uh, quickly here, can you tell me what I'm looking at? Does Evan have any idea what, what's happening right now? No, Evan, I do, who, who, Oh, Devin does. Devin, okay, Devin. Yes. Who was that, Devin? So the par three contest is for families. A lot of times the wives, girlfriends, family members, moms, dads, they, they're they on the bag for the, for the Sisters. golfers. Sisters. Um, and it's actually funny you say that's an awful swing for the other guy. Jack Nicholas's uh, son, uh, son, grandson, a couple years ago, he, he stepped up, hit a hole in one. And the place went nuts. Now look at that. Okay. Well, this is part of the magic of the Masters Park. Forget three. all the nonsense. Who is that swinging the golf club right now? That is Adam Fenson's wife, I think, oh, or girlfriend. Okay. I'm not sure. Adam Fenson's? Okay. <laughs> this is the riveting Masters coverage you can only get on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, again, Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle mar- motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. All right, let's get to some insight that we can actually give you. We need some expertise. We're going to bring it in from ESPN basketball analyst PJ Carlissimo. PJ, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I, we were talking about the MVP earlier, and I want to be clear, uh, you are a smart basketball mind. So I want you to know I'm not a total moron. I believe that there are multiple people that absolutely <laughs> deserve this award. What I can't understand is why Giannis isn't a bigger part of the conversation. E- educate me. Uh, I would agree with you. I, I, I think there's a little, although it doesn't make sense because Jokic is, but I think there, I think there is a little bit. I think he's been the one that's been saying that, that uh, you, know, you can't get it every year or whatever. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's Really, really difficult this year to separate. I've been probably pro Jokic most of the year. Now everybody's swinging the other way because he's coming back and he's not playing nearly as well right now. Um, I'm glad I'm not a voter, to be honest with you. I was a voter in the past. I'm not now. I'm, I'm happy I'm not. I don't know what I'd do. I probably would go to Jokic. You watch a guy like MB play last night and, you know, uh, you're, you're blown away by what he's done. I've always been a big proponent of if the best team or teams have a guy who's having a great year, to me that that skews it. You know, I mean, there could be somebody on a number nine team that's just playing absolutely out of his mind, has done more for his team than anybody else in the league, but his team's in ninth place. I, I always lean more towards a guy who's on a better team. So for that reason, that's, you know, for me, more pro Giannis, more pro Jokic, and a little bit uh, less Joel Embiid. Coach, the Lakers last night, they were in a dogfight with the Utah Jazz. They have a back-to-back tonight versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Anthony Davis played 42 minutes. LeBron James played 38. But, Coach, it's go time. They don't have time to be sitting players down. Not to sway you one direction or not, but what would you do? How would you handle the Lakers back-to-back tonight? 
first of all, uh, let me preface it by saying Darvin Ham has done an unbelievable job because they've been so in and out all year. I mean, at times they looked irrelevant, at times they looked dysfunctional, and he's always just kind of maintained an even keel. He's done a great job, and he's done a great job of handling the players, and they've bought in. They've supp- it's been clear from day one they're supportive of him, and they like playing for him. Having said that, this decision is going to be made in conjunction with AD and LeBron, which means AD and LeBron are going to decide. Uh, Darvin's going to have something to say about it. There's no question, but nobody understands better how important this game is, and nobody knows their bodies better than AD and LeBron. And they'll tell. They're going to tell Darvin, "I can go. Or I can't go." And they'll, you know, they'll put it another way out there. They'll say, "Hey, we just decided it's not that important. These guys. It's more important that we have them later on, even if the." It puts us shorthanded tonight, but clearly that dialogue is going to start with LeBron and AD, and they'll tell him can it, can they go or not. And it should be noted here: uh, there's no doubt, doubt in my mind that these two guys want to go. So, what's the process like when you're trying to get the guys ready and you have such a short turnaround? Finding the balance between protecting the athlete and also protecting the outcome that you need. I mean, literally at the stage those two are in. Um, you know, there's no question. AD, I don't. You know, I don't know AD as well. AD's history has always been um, a little bit of a problem for me when when people are putting him on, you know, the ultimate pedestal. I, I always go, but he's been hurt too much, and that's that's not necessarily his fault. But Bron, I've always had the feeling if if he could drag his body out there, he's going to play, and you're going to get everything from him every single night. Um, he knows this game. He knows the body. He also can step back a little bit. Uh, maybe sometimes players are their own worst enemies, and that's where the coach or the GM or the medical people have got, have got to be involved. LeBron's beyond that. Uh, I, I, would, I would trust him to take all of the factors into consideration. Literally know if we lose tonight, what does this mean? Is there a chance we slide into the play-in? You know what, what? What does this do for us? What is this? What are the implications for the playoff matchups? And and I think he's going to make his decision. Um, it, it was amazing, really, that they won it last night. Although it was amazing to see him miss a shot at the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. I've been saying for a couple of weeks, if those two get healthy, that's going to be the problem when you play them because you're going to have to like playing a, a vampire. You're going to have to put a stake in their heart. Um, if it's close, LeBron and or AD are going to find a way to win the game. So it's like, even when it's a four out of seven, you don't want to be involved in a lot of close games with with that team, uh, primarily because of LeBron. Having said that, he missed a shot in regulation that shocked me, but then he comes back in the, in the end of the OT. He gets the, he gets the one that wins it. Coach Dan Hurley, I know, means so much to you. Now that he's won a national championship at UConn, can you see him being the face of college basketball moving forward? Well, I think he and his program are are, going to be. I don't don't think, you know, as good as they are and as good as the conference, it was also a huge statement for the Big East Conference because a lot of people, when Jay retired, said, well, that's the end of that gig. You know I mean? Take Villanova out of it. What has this conference done lately? Um, I I thought the tournament was a huge statement for both the ACC and the Big East just because of the fact that uh, Miami's playing at the end and UConn. And then you got two conferences that didn't have as many bids as some of the other conferences, but they had more wins. 
when it was done. So I thought that was a strong statement for them. Um, I don't see UConn going anywhere. They're going to be elite for a long time, whether they can continue to win. I mean, to win three, I probably have it off by a year. They've won three national championships in like 13 years with three different coaches. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's that's absurd that they could do that. But when you look at his team, um, the, the way that team was put together, their assistant coaches, uh, the job that Dan did, totally by uh, luck, because Westwood One does the assigning for our uh, where we're going to be way before the you know the bid selection show on uh, on Sunday. I was in Albany with UConn for two games, then I was in, in Las Vegas with them for two games, and then uh, I was in Houston. So I saw all six of their games. I mean, Danny's so tired of looking at me and getting interviewed by me. I think I interviewed him twenty times in the past three weeks, but um, they're not going anywhere. I, I think they he will be one of, but nor is. Bill Self going anywhere. I don't see Baylor going. I mean, there, there's some there's some programs out there that are going to stay at the top. I do think Connecticut will stay right there uh, w- with anybody. And the job, I mean, I'm biased because, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to coach Danny for a couple of years, but I had zero impact. I've, I've answered way too many questions and gotten dragged in, dragged in in a good sense too much. I've, I've had virtually nothing to do with the success that Danny has had. And but I'll tell you what, if it was anyone else, it wouldn't matter to me. I'd be sitting here telling you um, that coaching job and the way that team played for three weeks was incredible. I mean, it is really hard. It's hard to win a game in the NCAA to win six. You you, you know, you got to be fortunate. There's so many things have to happen. They were just dominant. Uh, It was incredible. I I thought it was a game Uh, before Jordan hit that three point shot when it was down to five. I thought. San Diego State was really going to make it interesting. But that team was so good for three weeks and so dominant. They were clearly the best team in the NCAA tournament. Uh, That's really impressive. And people forget, they finished fourth in the Big East. They finished in fourth place in the Big East Conference. Uh, But come tournament time, they were playing the best. As always, I appreciate your insight. You know, I can't speak to your influence on Hurley, but you make us smarter every day, and that's the most important thing, PJ. We appreciate you so much. No, it's great It's great to be with you guys, but it's really good to see Dan getting credit for the job he's done because it was magnificent. It really was. Uh, we appreciate the insight and expertise, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, great being with you. Thank you. That's PJ Carlos, ESPN basketball analyst, uh, giving us all the thoughts on uh, not just Hurley and not just Connecticut, but also on the NBA. Joel Embiid might have locked up the MVP, but if the Sixers actually join the elite of the Eastern Conference, not everybody here thinks so. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joel one-on-one spins by one man down the lane and a slam. He eats up the rim. A two-hand stuff, a quick turn, catch it to go, and a dunk 54 and B. I'm biased, but the MVP race is over. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Joel, one-on-one, spins by one man, Galilee, and a slam. He eats up the rim. A two-hand stuff, a quick turn, a catch and a go, and a dunk, 54 and B. Tucker, right baseline, corner three, he's done it again. P.J. Tucker, three threes in the fourth. Tonight, we couldn't make shots. We had guys making shots. The man just scored half our points in the NBA game, and I'm biased, but the MVP race is over. Even if the MVP race is over, which is still questionable, the race in the East is not. The question is, is it really a big two or a big three? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. By the way, you can check us out tomorrow. We're on first take. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Christine Williamson, taking over first take tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN 2. So be sure to come out and hang with us on ESPN2 for First Take tomorrow. Uh, we'll be there, but don't don't worry. We'll be right back here right after the show. So whatever arguments Mommy and Daddy have on First Take, we'll carry straight over to the radio show, and then we will, like, we'll be in that, like, post-angry, like, uh, we'll, you know, mad at each other, <laughs> not really talking about a passive-aggressive comments coming in all day about the way we looked. Like, that's what we're going to be. We'll be all up in our feels about it. You know, we'll let uh, Evan and Devin decide who won as long as it's me, in which case we can talk about it. But if I lose, then we won't talk about who won at all. Like, that, that, that's... <laughs> Uh, but it, it uh, it'll be a good time, and we should say thanks, uh, you know, both of us to everybody that's letting us come over and uh, get that opportunity to show the world a little bit of Fitz and Harry. Excited to do that, and excited to do that with our good buddy Christine Williamson, who's a rock star uh, at the company. So we're, we're going to have a bunch of fun with that. Uh, we're also going to keep diving into all things NBA as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season. Now, Harry, I want to play you again. What Joel Embiid said when he was asked about Doc's thoughts, uh, their coach's thoughts, that he had locked up the MVP. Because what he says at the end, I think, is significant. Check it out. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, they're probably right, but we got bigger goals. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, they're probably right, but we got bigger goals in mind. Uh, you know, we uh, we understand we got a chance, but it's not going to be easy. He says we have bigger goals in mind. It's not going to be easy. Speaks to something you've talked about a lot on the football side. Having individual goals is fine, but you want to hear the we. And the, the Sixers definitely have the we of thinking that they belong in the NBA Finals conversation. Well, and he's not wrong to think that way either. But when I look at the East, I do see three teams, right? I see the Milwaukee Bucks. I see the Boston Celtics and also the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, when you talk about the other two teams, I have them a slight notch ahead of, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers because of their benches and what their benches are able to bring to the game, plus how deep both of those teams are. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, though, you have a generational talent in, in Joel Embiid, a guy that's seven foot, 280 pounds, that can do a lot of different things on the basketball court and continues to get better year in and year out. I like the way James Harden is playing this season. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris. If they can get a little bit of something else from guys, uh, their secondary players, I think this team could really, you know, be in a dogfight in which it's looking like it's going to be Boston, right? And I hate to, like, dismiss anybody else that's going to be playing in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but what my mind tells me is that, you know, it's going to be Boston versus the Philadelphia 76ers in the matchup before they get to the Milwaukee Bucks, whoever comes out of that series for the Eastern Conference Finals, right? But 
let's just say hypothetically the Sixers do come out of that. Are they going to be fatigued from the dogfight that they're going to be in? Because that's a series that could potentially go six or seven games, Fitz. I love your point there because, frankly, the path to the championship matters so much. The Bucks right now have a magic number of one. Right, so we know that the Bucks are on the, uh, at least on the cusp of uh, potentially securing the top spot. And as much as I don't believe that home court advantage means that much in these series between these three teams, the road to the playoffs means everything. Right, like yep. uh, if you've got to survive the Celtics uh, and then go on to play the Bucks, that's going to be a wild world. And and frankly, the Bucks and the Celtics are both relatively hot, seven and three in their last ten. I know the Celtics just knocked us not out of the Bucks not uh, too long ago, but I'm also going to look at that and say, hey, back end of a back-to-back, and the Bucks, uh, the Bucks have that night sometimes. Uh, for me, in the East, it's the Bucks, and you know this, I've been saying this for a while, it's the Bucks, a gap, and then the Celtics and 76ers. I think Boston and Philly are both very good football teams, but the Bucks have sort of been on cruise control. The fact that, as I mentioned earlier, they've been managing minutes for Giannis throughout the course of this season, and he still put up the numbers that he has. He did a lot of it without Chris Middleton, and now it feels like they're sort of getting healthy and hot at the right time for a team that's been there. you know. And, and the, the argument on the Bucks a couple of years ago is that Coach Bud didn't know how to make adjustments. He, he squashed that argument, and now it's a team that just really feels like it knows how to press the, the gas when they need to press the gas, and that's going to be an important part of this. So the the interesting thing is that the Bucks and Celtics both have championship level pedigrees, right? Like they both have the experience of finals. Like for the 76ers, they've had deep runs. I, I, it's the little nuances that are going to make a huge difference. I, I favor the Bucks in that situation, but the Celtics and 76ers are going to beat the snot out of each other before they even get to the Milwaukee series. Well, here's the things about, about the Sixers also and Joel Embiid, right? And some of the things that this team has had to go through Playoff wise, you look at the last four years, you you date back all the way, I think it was nineteen twenty season, if I'm not mistaken, against the Raptors, right? In the conference semifinals where Kawhi Leonard hits that, you know, bouncing bucket and win. Then the following year they lose to the Boston Celtics in the first round. And then they had the number one seed the year after that before losing to my Atlanta Hawks mm-hmm. um, in seven games in, in in the conference semifinals. And then last year losing to the Miami Heat four two in that series in the conference semifinals. It's it's at some point this team has to turn the corner and that matchup that we're talking about against the Boston Celtics would be the conference semifinals right so can they get over that hump I don't know if they'll be able to because Boston is so deep and you know last night Robert Williams didn't play Jalen Brown didn't play you talk about Robert Williams a guy that 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 can anchor your defense in a defensive stopper a guy that adds presence in the paint Another body for Embiid, but also you talk about a guy in Jalen Brown who is a score machine and compliments Jason Tatum very, very well. So can they get over that dark cloud, that hump of the conference semifinals and push through to the Eastern Conference Finals? But even if they do do that, you got Milwaukee waiting on you. You got Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo waiting on you. And the other part of that, too, in my mind, is at some point for the Sixers to go on that run and be that team – I've got to really trust Harden. And I'll steal a phrase that Sarah Spain used to always use when I worked with her. Sarah used to always say, sometimes Harden just forgets how to basketball. And we have seen that in big series where all of a sudden, it's just like, it's a different version of Harden. I have a hard time trusting a Philly team that's found weird ways to lose, trusting Harden that's found weird times to disappear against teams like the Celtics 
in the Bucks. To me, it's the big two and a half. I still have Milwaukee and Boston ahead of Philly in that conversation. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. The Sixers are not the only team that got a big win this week. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry's XFL <laughs> Team of the Week, Orlando Guardians. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And you know it. We talk about it every week on this show. Harry's on the sidelines every weekend covering the XFL. Harry, where are you going to be this weekend? This weekend, I am in Orlando for the Guardians versus the Arlington Renegades. Oh, so I'm man. back in Orlando. I'm just curious if you're going to try and get go ride Tron over at Disney World. Seems like it's a delight. Okay. You can watch him uh, on the sidelines against Guardians. You can watch me on Sundays for XFL Today. Uh, obviously, we're there every single weekend. That's me hanging out with Scooby McGazza. One of the guys we talked to last week on an XFL Sunday, uh, XFL Today on Sunday, joins us right now. It's Rob Buckley, head coach of the XFL's Orlando Guardians coach. Uh, you guys got the big win. You get your first win. Now that you've had a couple of days to sort of separate from it, what's it mean to get your first win as a head coach? It means everything. Uh, you can't get the second one until you get the first one. So, and it brings a sort of morale, a, a, a certain energy, a certain confidence that what we're doing as an organization, as a team, uh, even though we struggled early on, we were getting better. Well, this just this solidifies that. And so now the players believe it, the, the coaches, everybody's like, okay, what we've been doing uh, is it was heading in the right direction, and boom, it finally happened. Coach, your quarterback, Quentin Dormady, man, watching that game from the sidelines, and I even said it on the broadcast, he's efficient. He was throwing with anticipation. He understood and was, de- and was deciphering what the defense was doing, and it allowed him to play fast. He ended up completing 79% of his passes, 328 yards, three touchdowns, and also had three rushing touchdowns. How much easier are things when your quarterback, from the quarterback position, he's seeing things efficiently and also delivering the football to a lot of different guys on time? I mean, you just said it. That, that is what you want. That's what great quarterbacks do. You know, you play wide receiver. Just imagine you coming out your break, the ball is there. And you and, and before the, they lining up and you seeing it and, and the quarterback is seeing the same thing you are seeing. That's, that's the biggest thing. And that makes teams struggle sometimes when, the, when the, the guy that has the ball, the quarterback is not, being efficient, he's not seeing it. He's not getting it out of his hand. You see the blitz coming. The guy is is running the right route in front of the blitz, but the, but you don't see it. So what Quentin has done is brought that that solid uh, efficiency to our offense that's making us better. Now we can turn the other athletes loose. 
We're talking to Terrell Buckley, head coach of the XFL's Orlando Guardians, coming off a big win over the weekend. And I want to stick there with Dormady for a second because it's interesting. Most people that know that watch the XFL remember he was cut at one point with accusations of sharing a playbook. There was a whole investigation. He was brought back into the league. Most importantly for you as a coach, how do you keep a locker room together when you've got a bunch of guys that may not know each other that well? You're all trying to figure out who leaders are, and there's accusations around a quarterback that's now back with the team. Uh, communication, over-communication, uh, being honest. And I've been honest uh, with the players, the coaches, since day one, and we communicate. So before this happened, we communicated. We felt like we was a family, a growing family, a family that uh, was getting to know each other like distant cousins. And when he came back, the, the thing for me was sometimes there's disagreements and and some frustrations. Uh, with certain family members, once you iron that out through communication and being honest, you get on the same page, you move forward. It took all about five minutes because of the culture and the foundation that was set from the start. Coach, we talked in pregame before the game, and you, you actually talked about tight end Jordan Thomas. And – I paid attention to your words, right? And then when he caught that 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 fade in the end zone for a touchdown and he was emotional on the sidelines, and number one, you know it means a lot to him. But as a leader, as a teacher, as a coach, what did that mean to you to see him be able to, to have that success during that moment in that game and it means so much to him as well? Uh, it's special because obviously I've been knowing Jordan uh, a long time. And – he struggled because I personally felt like people don't know how to use him. Uh, and to get a chance to put him in a situation where he can be successful uh, and see those type of emotions makes it makes you, you know, emotional too because you you know what it means to him and how exciting it is not only him and his family, but everybody's involved in the situation and it just. It brings like pure joy and puts a smile on my face to see that. Uh, I'm I'm really really excited about him, uh, what he's going to do individually, and how he's going to help this team down the road. I think that's one of the most inspiring things for all of us covering the XFL is watching what it means to the players getting this chance. But coach, this is a chance for you too. This is your first chance to make a statement as a head coach. What have you learned about yourself throughout the course of this season? Oh man, it's this uh, that I'm very still at this point. Even though we were struggling early, early on, that the opportunity for growth, for knowledge, for understanding, uh, and a lot of this stuff, I, I, you know, you realize it's in you. And this is why the XFL is so important to myself and other guys that we get an opportunity to have those ups and downs to be able to make those adjustments. And, and come out on the other end. You know, I've always said struggles uh, don't build character, it reveals it. And for me, it revealed the type of person that I always felt like I would be if things wasn't going my way. I've done that as assistant coach, but to still be consistent in my approach as a head coach and how I treat people, uh, I want to, you know, it, until until it's in your face, you really never know how you're going to react. And so I was very pleased that, that and I asked the players, I asked the coaches, uh, 
without asking them, like, how do you feel about this? What do you think about me? How do you think I'm handling this? And the, the verbiage and the language, uh, uh, even the body language I got back was that you still are consistent and you're the same person you were. You're talking the same way that you were day one. And that's, you know, I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, that's dope, Coach. I'm looking forward to, to y'all game this weekend. I'm going to be down there. Can I ask one question, though? Can y'all turn the heat, a.k.a. the sun, off hell so I'm not burning up? It's a 4 p.m. <laughs> game, and I don't know if I can wear a suit this weekend, Coach. Hey, but it's going to be hot. Now, <laughs> you wasn't there two weeks ago. We had a 1 o'clock game now. You thought oh, it was hot. I mean. You, it was hot. Coach, it was hot. It was like 90. It was 92. Felt like 100. And we got through it. But you're used to that. Just wear your suit, sweat. When you coming down there to work as a sideline reporter or a coach or a player, you know all that's out the door. You there to work. And your you whole focus on getting the job done. Oh, beauty beauty must suffer even for Harry Douglas. That game, <laughs> Arlington in Orlando, is at 4 o'clock on ESPN. You can check out Harry, and of course you can check out Coach right there. Terrell Buckley, congratulations on the first win. I said this to you Sunday. I'll say it again. It's been fun even watching behind-the-scenes stuff to watch you get this chance to shine, too. Uh, it's been great getting to talk to you and get to know you over the last couple of days. We appreciate you coming on with us. Well, as always, I appreciate you guys for even having me on and letting me explain the situation. So thank you guys for what you do. Uh, Terrell Buckley, head coach of XFL's Orlando Orlando Guardians. Again, huge win for them over the weekend. They get their first win, and they look really good in the process. It'll be exciting to see where they go from here. You'll want to watch that game on ESPN on Saturday at 4 p.m. And, of course, check out XFL today on Sunday, 6.30 p.m. across all of your digital platforms. All right, every June 1st, Bobby Bonilla gets a $1.19 million check from my beloved Mets. I'll tell you someone, though, who might be getting an even better deal than Bobby Bow next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Don't forget, we're hosting First Take tomorrow with our buddy Christine Williamson. 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN 2, right now on ESPN Plus, is the Masters Par 3. Uh, I'll defer to our golf experts here in Evan and Devin. Uh, and by experts, I mean both of them watch a lot of it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what their level of play is. But uh, how would we guys? How would we assess so far that the par three is going? Do we feel like it? it this is uh, well. Well, just hold on for a second. Okay. When you say watch a lot of it, like Evan lies to his wife so he can watch golf. Okay, is your wife listening to the show right now, Evan? <laughs> I, I hope not. Okay, I don't, I don't actually lie to her. I mean, I literally tell her I'm going to sit on the couch and watch golf all day. How's that lying? I just want to mess with you. Don't see now you're taking it to the to the. Why to you the get chest. so defensive? Man. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, you know I'm just joking. You just you just walk, you make it sound like you walked into the living room and you say, "Woman, lady, I'm going to watch golf and you will not stop me." Man, she would donkey cone the hell out of Evan. No, sit yeah, your uh, little like, ass I mean, down. Just be here. <laughs> 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 
p- that. pick him up, throw him like the little barrel, and then like all of a sudden <laughs> throw him around like a little rag doll. Everybody's just jumping over the quiet. little Evan barrel coming down the uh, coming down the pipeline. Uh, all right, so how do we th- feel about this uh, part three that you get a, a crystal bowl for? Like, I, can I'm, I get my sounder? Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Hold on. Let me do sorry, this. Sorry, We're gonna sorry, do this. Sorry. Live from Augusta, Georgia, this is a Fitz and Harry Masters Update. Yes. So Fred, Fred Couples, who's won the Masters Wait, wait, wait. Before. We're going to need you to whisper this a little bit. Give us a Jim Nance here. Yeah, come on now. So you're going to talk about myself for the rest of the segment? <laughs> Went shopping over the weekend. Okay. <laughs> I want the graphic, like Jim Nance says, that Jim Nance wardrobe sponsored by Vineyard Vines. I want Evan's wardrobe sponsored by Macy's. Oh, come on, Macy's. Hit us up. All right, All right Evan. So, Tell us what we've seen so yeah, far. So Fred Couples has played really well. Uh, just had a tap-in par. He's uh, four under. He had four birdies to start. Uh, he has won the Masters before. Nobody who's ever won the par three has gone on to win the Masters that year. Uh, we've seen a couple chances at hole-in-ones. We have not seen a hole-in-one yet. All right, that is a a stunning. I don't like I don't like his voice when he does. Okay, that. De- Devin, would you like to try? Would you like to give us a little you bit of? Gotta do a little bit more like this, and you gotta oh. accentuate the. I got I got the chills. I got that. Devin, give us that one more time. Like this. <laughs> Evan's like, oh, uh, masters. Uh, all right, all right. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. We could uh, later on. We'll just have you both whisper. Put the lotion in the basket. And we'll see where it goes. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. That's your Masters update on the par three going on right now. There is someone Evan size about trying to uh, to get a, uh, to knock it in uh, at this point. It would be one of the small children, by the way. That's what I'm referencing here. Uh, happening. He's like a one year old. Yeah. Uh, and threw the club in disgust afterwards. Now doing a, a shimmy. after he pushed after he pushed his sister. Get out of the way. Yeah, pushed. <laughs> he got the the shot. Pushed his sister through the club. Well, there's going to be a whole controversy about this now about sportsmanship. I'm sure among siblings. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Don't forget you can watch all of what's happening right now with the par three on ESPN Plus. So get out there and check it out. And at 3 p.m. it's on ESPN. So a tape delay of this 3 p.m. Okay. Okay. Well, at 3 p.m. Like that oh, one, I mean, okay, Devin. Okay, I mean, oh, oh yeah. But uh, you, Devin, you are you are a womanizer, are you? With, with that voice? Yeah. Excuse me, <laughs> like uh, uh, ladies, man. Look, come, come in, give it in, uh, hop with the ladies with that uh, whispery voice. I'm what? definitely not doing that okay. voice you just did. Perfect. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, while we're getting you caught up on the Masters, which we will continue to do out of the course of the show, uh, there was a funny nugget that Harry actually uh, found today that I wasn't even aware of. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, when the Notorious... Bi- when the Notorious... Jeez Louise, I'm just going to get back my culture card. When Notorious B.I.G. died, uh, Puff Daddy, uh, P. Diddy, Diddy, whatever you want to call him, wanted to give tribute. We all know the song. All right. Every breath you take is the way they did it. Uh, 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 a sample, by the way, I'm, I, I never like. I love the song, but I didn't like the sample in that song. I'm just being a music nerd for a second. But what's funny is apparently he did not in advance ask Sting, not the wrestler, but the musician Sting. He didn't ask Sting for permission, which led to a whole lawsuit. And Sting now uh, confirmed on a on a radio show. That he gets two thousand bucks a day, every day. Unbelievable for Diddy. Two thousand bucks a day. Now, my first question here, Harry, is: If you're Diddy, you know you're going to have to ask permission. Like you're not new to the business. You understand how samples work. 
You understand how using, it's not even just a sample of his voice. Like, they're using the whole name song. This is Every Breath You Take. Like, how do you not realize that you're going to have to get permission here? And why wouldn't you ask for that first so you're not writing a $2,000 check constantly afterwards? So that's $672,000 a year. No. I mean, that's, okay. How much is Diddy worth? Does anybody know uh, Diddy's net worth? Because it feels like that's... Uh, a drop in the bucket to what he's worth. Uh, but I will say that Sting's current net worth, according to the Google machine, $300 million. So that's his vacation money. Like, that's just, that's his vacation money. Yeah, well, what's 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 Diddy's? Because, you know, Diddy owns Ciroc as well. Diddy is worth a and, billion. And uh, Deleon. A tequila. billion dollars. Good God. This he is can just, afford this easily. Yeah, uh, this is this is vacation money. This is the equivalent of Devin and Evan and I going out to dinner and arguing who's picking up a $40 check. That's what I'm learning right now. But another fun sting fact for you that a lot of people don't know. Uh, everybody knows the Dire Straits song, Money for Nothing, right? Like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I have my money for nothing, I have my chicks for free. Like, there's a, a very famous portion at the end of that song where the voice is singing the I want my, I want my MTV. Like, that's the part that people know. All the time out of this song. Oh, look at Deb. Doing a great job pulling it up. What a lot of people don't realize is that in the recording process for that, Sting was in the room next door when Dire Straits was recording the song. And he was recording his song, Don't Stand So, Don't Stand So Close to Me. The guys went over, they listened to it, they thought it was entertaining. They were like, oh, you should come over here and put a line on the song. So he went into their song and he sang just simply with the same melody, I want my, I want my, I want my MTV at the end of this song. For that... They had to list him as a co-writer on the song. And it became one of the biggest hits of the entire decade globally. So my guy made tens of millions of dollars for singing, I want my, I want my, I want my MTV. When all he was doing was hanging out with wow. some buddies. I keep hanging out with you. It doesn't make me tens of millions of dollars. What are we doing, Harry? What are we doing? Uh, let's, see, let's see what we can make happen. <laughs> uh, that, that's fair. Like, if we ever create a boy band, we need a fifth member because there's only four of us on the show. Uh, if I, we ever, you know what? I got to apologize to Devin. Devin, you 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 are not that. You are a good Christian young man that does things the right way and respect women on a consistent basis. I love that about you. Thank you so much. Okay, that's perfect. Uh, that but is, you, but you are allergic to to cats, right? Uh, that, <laughs> Oh, Devin, masters. answer the question. Are you allergic to kitty cats or not? Yes. Um, <laughs> I've got nothing. I, I literally have absolutely nothing. Those were your, your, your random. I, I thought about the money side of this, and Evan immediately pointed out, uh, I'm just trying to like change anyway again. Uh, Bobby Poe, uh, am I allowed to call Bobby? Like I'm, I'm allowed to be lifelong diehard Mets fan now? <laughs> to, yeah. yeah, you nailed it. By the way, Damn, Bobby when Bones, did you know you were allergic to kitty cats? I know I'm not worried about the Mets. That's all I can say. I am feeling so Damn. comfortable. About when did them. you knew? When did you know you was allergic to kitty cats? We got about 15 seconds here. <laughs> Coming up, an MVP moment in the final week of the season. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. <laughs> if we still have jobs in three minutes. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 